if I was told that I had one um, month to before I was to be taken with the Lord to the Lord, and I had the opportunity to preach just four sermons at New Life, then this would be one of them. If I think of the truths that have changed my life and that have been part of the core of who I am as a Christian, and this is one of them. And so my prayer today is that you are really understand this. All of us connect to, to this, one of the most transforming teachings about the Christian life that can bring amazing peace and joy. And my title today is What the Sabbath Was Really About and How We Keep It Today. So you're probably a little surprised now as you think, is this a core truth? Well, you're going to see some, I think, some, th- some, some ideas that are actually not taught nearly as much as they ought to because they are so important. And you're going to connect some dots today. Three things. What it was, this Sabbath thing, and what it meant in the Old Testament, how Jesus treated it, and then we're going to end by looking at the Sabbath today. And I'm going to argue it's the very core of the gospel and it's the core of the Christian life. So hopefully I've got you intrigued here, and you're wondering how I'm going to do this. Uh, so first of all then, what it was and what it meant in the Old Testament. Well, as you know, God rested on the seventh day after creating the world, but there was never a command to keep this as a special day until the Israelites were in the wilderness. Abraham was never told to keep the Sabbath. Uh, this was a new thing in the wilderness. When God gave the law to Israel, he linked his command to creation, but he also linked it to being brought from slavery in Egypt. And I'm going to read some verses in Deuteronomy 5 in a moment, which is the Ten Commandments. And there's a short, punchy list of the Ten Commandments, you know. Um, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. Until we get to this one, it's so long, it's as long as all the other commandments put together, this one about the Sabbath, and it's different to the others. So here it is, Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Be careful to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your ox or donkey, any of your livestock, or the resident alien who lives within your city gates, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. In other words, don't take a rest yourself and then make everyone else do the work. No, all of you must rest, and then this is the key part. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Well, hang on a minute. What has that got to do with one day a week? What is, what is the point? Well, part of the trouble is our culture. We live in a culture which, in which we miss the point of this, that simply uh, not working for one day 
and may be inconvenient for us. It might even impact our finances. But for them, in an agrarian society, it might be life-threatening. In medieval England, it would take 11 people working full-time to feed 13 people. That's how close the margins were. And little children had to work. Everybody had to work. To survive, you had to work. And so what happens if you don't work? What happens if you stop working, particularly, say, at harvest time? You could lose the crop. If you don't get it all in by the time the storms come, you could lose it. And what are you telling these people to do? To sit back and do nothing and hear this harvest, which is basically going to keep them alive during the next year, and they have to just to leave it? And this is what the message is. This is what Sabbath is about. Sabbath is not working when your life depends on working and you're told to stop. And this is the key idea for today. This is what links stopping working for a day and being freed from slavery. And here I have my key idea for today. On the seventh day, they were to stop working and watch how all their needs would be met by their covenant maker. In other words, it's faith. It's only, you can't do anything You've got to watch the, 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 the crops. You've got to watch everything. Exactly the same as slaves in Egypt. They couldn't do anything. They just had to watch God doing it. It was faith. So they're, put, they're told to stop and to just rest and allow God to work and to trust that he would do it. They were to stop working and watch how all their needs would be met by the covenant maker. So that's the key idea which we're going to be developing. But there's one more point for the Old Testament, really important. This wasn't just another one of the Ten Commandments. There was something different about this command. Uh, it was a sign. It was called the sign of the covenants. What do we mean by that? Well, in Old, in, in Old Testament times, when you had a covenant, which was a, a serious agreement between uh, two people or two groups of people that was like a, a, math, like a, a commitment to, a, to something that would last forever, when you had that sort of thing, you would have a physical symbol to go with it. So, for example, when God made a covenant with Noah, after the flood. Do you remember what the physical symbol was, the sign? The rainbow, that's right. And the rainbow is a perpetual physical reminder. It's there. We see it. And every time it rains, you see, well, not every time, but you know, you frequently see it. It's there today. Uh, does anyone remember what the covenant sign with Abraham was for the Abraham's covenant? It was circumcision. So that's what the sign was with his covenant. Um, the, the, the sign of this covenant, which was to constantly remind them of it every week, was the external action to, to remind them of uh, this promise was the Sabbath. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbath, for it is a sign between you between me and you throughout your generations, so that you will know that I am the Lord who consecrates you. This was the sign. 
<laughs> so that's, that's uh, the, the basics then of the, the Sabbath. But did you know that there was a Sabbath year as well as a Sabbath day? Every seven years, they had a year that they had to keep rest. Leviticus 25, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, you may sow your fields for six years and you may prune your vineyard and gather its produce for six years, but there will be a Sabbath of complete rest for in the land in the seventh year, a Sabbath to the Lord. You are not to sow your field or prune your vineyard. You're not to reap what grows by itself from your crop, your harvest, the grapes of your untended vines is to be a year of complete rest for the land. Wow. Well, what are they going to live on? Like if they're not allowed to harvest. And the problem was that it wasn't that they weren't just not allowed to harvest. They weren't allowed to plant for the next year. So here's a double problem. And of course, God's ahead of the game with this. If you wonder, what will we eat in the seventh year if we don't sow or gather our produce? I will appoint my blessing for you in the sixth year so it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you'll be eating from the previous harvest. You'll be eating until the ninth year when its harvest comes in. Because not sowing during the Sabbath year meant that there wouldn't be much of a harvest the following year. And it's actually interesting, the other things that go along with that, they were told the animals were allowed to come and eat their food. So it's actually probably quite good for biodiversity and things because the animals could come in and they could just feast and the ground could grow whatever it wanted to. But actually, we won't go into it now, but every seven sevens, so every 49 years, the 50th year was what's called a jubilee. All slaves had to be set free. Um, any, pro- any property you sold, you couldn't sell it permanently. You could sell it between now and the next jubilee. So it was like it was a year of freedom. But um, so what about this then? What about this, um, this year? Can you imagine the faith required to have a whole year in an agrarian society where you're going to die if there's no food? Can you imagine that? The faith required not to plant for the next year. So, so what's the, the, the Sabbath about? The Sabbath is about faith. It's about trusting and watching that God will supply your needs. That's what it's about. And very often we miss this when in our society this isn't really the kind of thing that we face directly. The other thing is, it was supposed to be a joyful celebration, a weekly reminder that God had rescued them and they had nothing to do. They didn't have anything to do when they got rescued, like it all happened, and then they were suddenly free. God did it all, and now they remember that by allowing God to do everything. They remember creation, God's created this beautiful world, that he did it, we didn't have to do anything, just rest and enjoy it. So that is what the Old Testament picture of Sabbath is about. Now we want to look at how Jesus treated the Sabbath. What did Jesus do? How did he? And this is interesting because it, it, it was, he did some very, very strong things about it. Um, Jesus, in fact, seemed to deliberately provoke 
the authorities regarding the Sabbath by choosing to do his miracles on that day. And um, this is John 5, verse 15. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I haven't got the whole story here, but he healed a man. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus responded to them, my father is still working and I am working also. Whoa. So God started working again. Like he rested, worked for six days, he rested, but he's working again. And this is the new creation, of course. This is what's happening with Jesus coming. God is doing new work. A new creation, which at the moment is hidden, it's in our hearts, it's a new life that we receive, but this is what Jesus is talking about. And it says, this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Sometimes when he healed on a Sabbath, he explained to them why he chose that day to do the healing. Luke 13, verse 10, as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her, woman, you are free of your disability. Then he laid hands on her and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. And you can guess what's going to happen, can't you? What the rulers of the synagogue are going to think about this. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, there are six days when work should be done. Therefore, come not on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord answered him and said, Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham, for 18 years. Shouldn't she be untied from this bondage on the Sabbath day? They'd missed the point. They thought it was all about ritual. They'd missed that it was a celebration of God working. And if it was to remember God freeing them from slavery in Egypt, what better thing to do than to free this woman who's been in bondage all of this time? They'd completely missed what it was about. They turned it into a ritual observance and lost the actual purpose of what it was about. But Jesus was even stronger than that because sometimes he actually directed it towards himself in a, a, a mysterious way that I'm going to explain later. Mark 2, 27, he told them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So he's saying, I'm, a, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He's giving himself this title, the Lord of the Sabbath. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to argue, and this is a preview to the next section, Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath. We rest not in a day, but in him. He is our Sabbath. And I'm going to argue that most of us, including me, are not very good at doing that. 
And I want to tell you that as I've been preparing this sermon, it's, it's, I've been preaching it to myself. I need to hear this as much as you guys do. And just reminding myself of these things has been so important for me in my life. And uh, I'm sure it will be for you if you really grasp what God is saying in these scriptures. So, what have we done? We've done the first point, what it was and what it meant in the Old Testament. And we looked at how Jesus treated it, although I'm going to say a few more things about that. And now I want to bring this to a climax. The Sabbath today, the very core of the gospel and of the Christian life. Now, just an overview, if you look at... um, different Christian organizations, you'll find basically, you can divide in different ways, but basically four views of what Sabbath means. Uh, There's the strict Sabbath requirements continue on a Saturday. That would be the Adventist view. You know, you just carry it Saturday worship and it's exactly the same as the Old Testament. It hasn't changed. Number two, Strict Sabbath requirements continue, but now it's on Sunday. So we just transfer it from Saturday to Sunday. It's interesting that in the Bible it was Friday night sunset, Saturday night sunset, but it doesn't get, those first two don't actually do that quite properly. So even if they're trying to follow the rules, they're not doing them quite right. Um, So the third one is there's still value in setting aside special times for God, especially for meeting together. But it doesn't actually have to be on a particular day, although, you know, it's a, there's good precedent for meeting on a Sunday. Um, and the, third, the last one is any requirements are law, which is all gone since we're under grace. All that's left is a general principle that rest is good and God wants rhythm in our lives. And that's sort of, that's all that's left of the Sabbath. I'd say, so I'm going to answer that three is true, um, but it's not how we keep the Sabbath. There's a much better way. So I'm actually going to have a fifth view, if you like. Although I would say four. Three is, I mean, I think three is absolutely true. Um, but it's just not what the core of the message is today. Um, so let's just, just very, very briefly, why we meet on a Sunday rather than on a Saturday. Um, it's the New Testament church Clearly, there's lots of evidence that they started meeting on a Sunday rather than a Saturday for their meetings. And it's great, great good evidence of that. Start actually, end of Luke, we see um, Luke 23. They returned, this is the women, they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. On the Sabbath, they, res- they rested according to the commandment, but on the first day of the week, they found the sto- stone rolled away from the tomb. Now, I put those two lines in red, and in the Greek, um, they are paired together as a contrast. Um, and you could, it's, the Greek has got a particular way of, of doing two things in parallel which are contrasted. So you could say, on the one hand, on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment, but on the other hand, the first day of the week, Jesus was raised from the dead. So that's the first hint that something has changed about specialness. But then we have examples like Acts 20. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking till midnight. So this is an example of the church meeting, and they're meeting on the first day of the week. And we know that they 
They got to call this the Lord's Day. Uh, here's another example. Therefore, don't judge anyone. Oh, actually, that's not, I don't have the one. Revelation, the beginning, uh, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's Day. And the Lord's Day was the name they would give to the first day of the week. Um, but then um, uh, it says in Colossians chapter 2, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food or drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Uh, He says, and this is the key thing, these are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. This is powerful. He's saying the, 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 the festivals, you know, Feast of Atonement, the special sacrifice festivals they had in the Old Testament, And the Sabbath day was a picture of Jesus. That was a picture, a shadow. The reality is Jesus. And that's exactly what I'm going to argue today. Uh, And Paul says if somebody wants to keep a day special, that's fine. You know, you can go ahead. It's between them and God. You can respect that. But don't get confused with what's happening in the law here. So how then... Is it different? How is the New Testament different to the Old in this respect? Um, so we're getting now to the, the, uh, the core of what I want to say, what I want to leave you with today. Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount and other times, <clears throat> replaced or restated, reframed the Old, the Ten Commandments. You know, it was said unto you, do not murder. But I say to you, you know, do not hate your brother. And he, he went through these things, you know, do not commit adultery. He said, but I say to you, it was said to you, but I say to you. Jesus mentioned all of the Ten Commandments explicitly, except for this one, except for this. But I'm going to argue that he did mention the commandment of rest. He did mention this, and this is where he replaced it. A new kind of rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And remember, Jesus is saying this of, uh, of, in the context of saying the Pharisees lay heavy burdens on you which no one can bear. And those are burdens of the law, including the Sabbath. He says, but come to me and you're laboring under those burdens. This is what I'm giving you. So I think it's fair, you can fairly easily argue that in the context of the Sabbath being called the day of rest and Jesus is using this language, um, this is what Paul means by Jesus is the reality that the, the, the Sabbath was the picture of. He is the one who's resting. And I want to argue this morning that this is the gospel, that if you're here and you're not following Jesus, this is a perfect description of what it means to follow Jesus. It means to give everything to him, particularly everything you've done wrong that you're guilty about. You just give it to him and you say, I want to give this to you, Jesus, and Jesus takes it off you and he brings you into his rest for eternity. He deals with the problems that you cannot deal with in your relationship with God.
So this is the gospel, I want to argue, that this, the, the Sabbath is the gospel. So I want to ask you, we're going to get practical here, what burdens are you carrying right now? What burdens are you carrying? Life is all too much for me at the moment. Oh, there's just so much happening. Just things are so hard. I haven't worked hard enough and I'm so behind. This is something I say to myself. You may say this to yourself. But like, this is, oh, how am I going to, this is, I'm a failure. There's something wrong with me. I'm not good enough. These kinds of words we use and these are burdens that we're carrying. We're carrying, we're not carrying the burden of saying, oh, this harvest is going to rot if I don't get it in in the next day, but oh, I've got to rest on the Sabbath. No, that's not the society we're living, the sort of stresses we're living under. We are living in such busy days and there's so much required of us. And these are burdens that we're carrying. And, uh, and I'm, I'm be very surprised if there's nobody here who who's, could say to me, who, somebody here could say to me, no, Andrew, you're wrong. Life is just a rest for me. I've got no burdens. I'm seeing lots of smiles out here. So, so yeah, you, you're with me here. You, you get what I'm saying, don't you? You understand this. This is life. And this is what Jesus is calling. And this is what we're going to see that the Sabbath is about. And I want to say, how do I keep the Sabbath? It's faith. Just as it was faith to trust that I could stop working and allow God to provide for my needs on, in my harvest and everything, this is faith. And I'm going to give you two, two statements here. It's faith by giving to God the time and resources he asks of us and not worrying about how much we have left. Now, you're all here this morning, and probably some of you, you've got busy lives and you could be doing something else. You will never lose out by, being in, by, by assembling with God's people, coming together, giving some space to God, and allowing God to deal with the busy stuff. God never requires you to keep on working your stuff and not having time to come and meet with his people. I'll say a bit more about that in a moment. The second thing I want to you'd focus on by resting in his love for us and trusting him. And this is, um, this is, if you like, this is something in our emotions, in our hearts, that we just rest and we stop, um, we stop stressing about it. So um, if you're like me, there are lots of stuff to do and you kind of struggle, will I get that done? What's going to happen there? And what this is about is saying no okay, there's a huge amount to do and maybe I won't get it done, but I'm going to give that worry to Christ. I'm going to give that stress to him. He's going to look after this to me, for me. And, you know, um, I sometimes joke with you that um, when I'm, I preach a sermon, God decides me to, te- to teach me personally the lesson of the sermon. So as I was preparing, I was thinking, oh, this is such an important sermon. I've got to do a really good job. I've got to make sure like I get everything right. <laughs> okay, God, God say, Andrew, isn't that my job? Like, why can't you just relax and give that to me? Okay, I've got to work. I've got to do the study. I've got to do the slides. But I do that and then I give it to him. And so this has been something, even in the last couple of days as I've been putting this together, God's been speaking to me very strongly. Look, Andrew, this is my sermon. You can speak the words, but like, don't, don't stress about this sermon. 
Because this is my work, not yours. Just speak the words and allow me to work in people's hearts. So this is the kind of thing I'm talking about, where we, we keep hold of things. We keep hold of the stuff that we have to do and, we, and the stresses in life and worries. And Jesus is saying, say, no, give them to me. Just let go of them and give them to me. So I was brought up in a church that was the second on that list I gave you, which believed that we kept Sabbath on a Sunday, but it was pretty much the same as Old Testament times. So you never, ever worked on the Sunday. You never watched TV. You never listened to the radio. You, you, everything was there. You went to church and you did uh, restful things. And uh, so um, uh, when I was um, preparing for my final examinations at university to get my bachelor's degree. My final exams were on a Monday. And in that, in that time, everything depended on your finals. It wasn't about what grades you got throughout the, the years and all sorts of things. It all depended on that week, what you did during that week. So Monday was my finals. Sunday, I didn't do any preparation at all. I didn't look at my books. I didn't look at anything because it was God's day. Now, I'm not saying you should do that, because that was, the, that was what I was brought up in, um, and that's what I did. But you know, God honored that. Because actually, what I was really doing was I was saying, God, I'm, I'm going to trust that if I follow you, you'll look after this. And I did fine. I did, I, I, I did, did great. And um, so I'm not saying that we should, we should um, keep... The, the, the day like that and you know I'm absolutely not saying that I'm saying it's much more than that it's everything in your life is Sabbath every single thing you're doing you need to release to God and not stress about it now we do our best of course we, we, we're not lazy we still have to, to do some work but it's the way we do it is different um, so Jesus began working on the Sabbath um, in exactly the same kind of work that was done in Egypt, that he's bringing freedom, he's bringing out of slavery. And what we're doing is when, we're, when we are celebrating, when we're, we're resting in Jesus' victory, we're celebrating this Sabbath. So um, I'm just going to end with a, a two or three slides now that bring these together. First of all, I want to talk about Israel. To summarize what I've said about Israel, the Sabbath was about resting in the joyful freedom that God brought them. The day belonged to him because he wanted them to be constantly reminded of what he'd done without their effort. In creation, they were powerless and now enjoy his work. In Egypt, they were powerless, and they were watching him work. So I'm going to just rephrase those points now for today. Our Sabbath is about resting in the joyful freedom God brings us. He wants us to be constantly reminded of what he has done without our effort. In our powerlessness, we watch him work and trust him with faith. So I want to say that um, God, this doesn't mean that 
Sabbath creates laziness. Um, it doesn't mean we don't work hard. We still give our very best, but we don't stress. We do what we can and we rest in Jesus. And sometimes this will include actual rest. Sometimes, you know, we need to actually just go to somewhere and, and just enjoy complete break from everything. But it can happen in our own homes. It can happen at any time that we enjoy this rest. And I'm going to put this last slide up now. And this last slide really summarizes everything that I want to say today. So I'm going to read it twice slowly and hope that the Spirit speaks this into your heart. On the seventh day, they were to stop working and watch how all their needs would be met by their covenant maker. And now Jesus Christ calls all to come to him because he is their rest. It is only by casting our burdens on him that we can get through this life. For it is in doing so that we see his provision for all our needs. When I first read this over maybe 25 years ago, I printed it out and I put it up on my notice board in front of my desk because I need to read it. And it's still there. So I still see this every day because this is so important for me, this quote. I'm going to read it to you one more time. And then we're going to pray. On the seventh day, they were to stop working and watch how all their needs would be met by their covenant maker. And now Jesus Christ calls all to come to him because he is their rest. It is only by casting our burdens on him that we can get through this life. For it is in doing so that we see his provision for all our needs. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you that you're the one who set us free from slavery in Egypt and brought us out through the blood of your son into the pro- towards the promised land. Lord, we thank you that now in our lives, Lord, you are saying to us, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, I pray that this message will settle in the hearts of every person here, including myself, that we will consciously give our stresses to you, give our worries to you, give our burdens to you, and trust in faith that you love us, you care for us, and you are carrying them for us. Lord, may these verses make such an impact on us today and change us. In Jesus' name, amen.